Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Business of Design podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about downsizing or smart sizing, as some of you like to call it. That's the process of moving from the big house where you raise the kids probably to the smaller townhouse or condo. And this may be happening to you personally, or if you've been at this career for some time like me, you might be dealing with an aging clientele. And this is becoming a more frequent conversation. Or you could be brand new to the business, you're just starting your career, and I promise you, you're going to want to learn about the psychology of downsizing now because you will need it uh, one day soon. Often we think of downsizing as being limited to the senior who is moving, sometimes reluctantly, into a smaller space. And that's definitely part of it, but that is not the whole story. So we're going to look at what's involved physically, so how to move someone from one home to another, and stagers have an advantage there because they deal with that frequently. We're also going to talk about the process of letting go and coaching our clients through how to edit, how to let go of furniture that won't fit in the new space, letting go maybe even of an old style of decorating so they can embrace something new. And of course, there's all of that letting go of things and stuff you think you can't live without. Those are sentimental items that you drag from one house to another. I had one of those moments, so picture this, a very large pink flamingo sign, which stood proudly on my lawn announcing the birth of my daughter. A girlfriend had sent this to us when uh, Raleigh was born, and I simply couldn't bear the thought of letting the silly thing go. So you go ahead, you judge me all you want, and I'm going to tell you what happened to the flamingo when I introduced my guest, Karen Shin of Downsizing Diva. Hi, Karen. How are you? Great, Kimberly. How are you? So good. Now, you've been a downsizing diva since 2001. You've been on a mission to help seniors downsize, organize, and move. And today you have 16 different franchisees who are following your system. So we have a lot to talk about with you. Yeah, ready to go. Now, it's funny, when I hired uh, the Divas, uh, it was after you appeared on a television show that I hosted, and I really had no idea you specialized in seniors. I was in my 40s, and I was making a big move from a big house to a smaller condo, and I think at that time I was your youngest client ever, Um, and I'm going to brag about you just for a moment. Because you worked with such care and such compassion, and we had so much fun working together. I almost feel bad that I haven't moved again. Um, (laughs) But you guys have been super busy, the divas, and you are published authors now. Uh, uh, One book I'm going to mention, Go, The Essential Guide to Organizing and Moving, very important. You're also um, the first Canadian company to be accredited by the National Association of Senior Move Managers. So if you're thinking that this is something you may want to niche or niche specialize in one day, uh, these are the girls to talk to. Uh, You're also certified professional consultants on aging CPCA and Alzheimer's society trained. So lots and lots to talk about. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. 
Maybe it's because I've been at this rodeo a while now. I launched my design firm in 1991, and I was pregnant with my second child. I mentioned Raleigh and the said flamingo. But I have accumulated some real time in the game. So that could explain why some of my clients are starting to talk about or even participating in the act of downsizing, moving from the big house where they raise the kids into a smaller space. I did that myself, and I found it an exhilarating, exciting experience. And I think that was because I was relatively young in terms of the average downsizer. But it's also, let's face it, because I'm an interior designer, and I couldn't wait to get my hands on that next project. Um, I can see, though, in many cases, rather than being exciting and exhilarating and highly anticipated, this is a frightening experience, a scary experience. Clients are stepping into the unknown. They're getting ready to say goodbye to their homes. And uh, sometimes there's an underlying reason. They can't handle the stairs anymore, or they can't keep up with the maintenance of a large home. So right off the bat, Karen Shin, how do we gauge the client's mood? As interior design professionals, we get a call. They're moving into a new condo. They're moving from a big house. How do we gauge their mood and know whether or not this is an exciting move or something that's really kind of frightening to them? Well, they, they always say, Kimberly, that excitement and fear are the same emotion, just the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, if they've called a designer to say that they're downsizing, there's a pretty good chance that they're looking forward to it and they're excited. Um, a lot of our clients are seniors, and for them, it's, it's often that decision to downsize is made because of their abilities uh, that are more of a negative nature, something like, uh, they're not as social. They, they feel isolated. Um, they might not be able to climb the stairs in the house as easily as they had before. So often our clients are, are facing the decision to downsize and it might be a bit more negative than, than someone who's just moving to a smaller space. And, and like you said earlier, excited about the possibilities of decorating and, and re-feathering a new nest. For our clients, a lot of the decision is, a reality check, like now what? I'm downsizing from the house I brought my family up in or I've lived in for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is a big step. So I think it, it's, it's in the first meeting, the discussion, you can pretty well tell whether this is a move that's anticipated with excitement or one that in some cases people are forced into doing. And, and those aren't always the the most fun moves, um, mm -hmm. but we do work with clients who who feel that in our in our vernacular, we say it's something that's being done to them, not with them. Right. So part of what you have to do and part of what the interior design professional has to do is listen, isn't it? Listen to the reasons behind the next step. Mm -hmm. That's big part. I think we all tend to go in thinking, oh, we can solve the problem. It's easy. There's, you know, we've got our list, our checklist. We know what to do. Um, one of the expressions that we have a lot of people who call us use is, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I, I, I've just got so much to do. I've lived here so long. There's so much to take care of. So that word overwhelmed is often a really good word to listen for, whether it's actually said or you can just see by body language and the way they're approaching the whole discussion that this is not something they're looking forward to doing, or even not necessarily they aren't looking forward to doing it, they really just don't know where to start. 
Okay. And should we be afraid of those conversations? Let's say we go meet a new client and you get the impression that there's some trepidation, there's some fear. Um, would you recommend that we slow down our process a little bit and just listen to them? Is that helpful to the client? Well, I think it's always helpful to listen. And, uh, and I think that the designers are in a really great position because you're able to say to people, you're able to help them visualize their new space. So that gives them something to look, to move towards as opposed to focusing on moving away from something. A lot of our clients are moving to a retirement residence, which some of them are absolutely spectacular, but they're still not the same size home as they're used to. Um, so the listening part always helps, but in your case, or in the case of the designers, certainly you're able to help them visualize what the new place is going to look like. And that's part of the fear is, will I like my new house as much as I like the one I'm living in or have lived in for so long? Right. Now, I don't, um, personally, I don't move anybody. That's not my expertise. So when I do have a client who needs to move, I recommend the divas. And that's regardless of whether they're downsizing or anything else, because I found that process so streamlined. And you mentioned overwhelm. It's true that when you're getting ready to move, there's a million things to think about. So is part of what you offer and part of what we need to offer our clients is this idea that just give it to me, give it all to me, I will take care of it. It's funny, I think that we've used the expression, we can take care of all the details so you don't have to. Um, and we've laughed and had it kind of backfire when we look at our older clients. Um, we can say that to boomers and we can say that to younger people about, you know what, this is the service we provide. We can come in, we can talk with you, we can coordinate as downsizing divas, we can coordinate your entire move from start to finish. So all you have to do is show up after the move and pour yourself a glass of wine. Well, we get people saying, oh, sign me up, sign me up. Mm -hmm. um, but we found when we use that line with or that uh, description with our older clients, they often see that as, and it's the unwritten words because we're saying the same thing, mm -hmm. but our clients may hear us saying, well, we'll take care of all the details in a way that their adult children might say that to them. And the, the voice that's playing in their head could very easily be, it's another thing they think I can't do myself. Right. So we take a very positive position of, we can take care of all the details so you don't have to. And they play the same words in their head and it comes out kind of negative. So oh. they're hearing one more thing I can't do. I can't, you know, I, I can't drive the car anymore. I can't walk up the stairs as easily as I could. Now this is one more thing that somebody's going to have to do for me. And, and then there's the pushback. So you have to be careful, I think, sometimes. And, and we found working particularly with, the, with senior clients of being there and wanting to solve all the problems. We, we always say we do our work with them, not to them. Mm -hmm. And um, as the oldest daughter, I, I very much tried to do the project with or to my mom. And she pushed back. So that's when things sure. get a bit dicey. So there's a lot that we need to think about sometimes, and particularly I'm speaking to the younger designers who 
think the age of 60, 70, 80 is a thousand years away. Trust me when I tell you, it's all going to creep up <laughs> on you pretty darn fast. Um, but you do need to be aware, right? Right. You do need to be aware that there is some loss of identity sometimes for seniors as they're moving into that second home. Again, that's why I would recommend strongly, unless this is something you want to niche and specialize in, which I think would be amazing to outsource projects like this and then get involved with decorating the new space. Stick to your strengths and let someone else who's an expert uh, do the rest of it. But I want to touch on some of the other things you need to be aware of when you're working with seniors. So, for example, do you ever get into discussing what kinds of um, decorating schemes or design tricks can be helpful to those over 70, over 80 years old? It's interesting you ask that because... And so many of the books we've read about design and uh, setting up places for our seniors, one of the things we're finding is what works for seniors works for everyone. It's that universal design concept that if we're making the lighting better in a stairway, it's going to work for everybody. If we eliminate all the extra steps and we put ramps in, that helps mums with with uh, strollers and it helps seniors with wheelchairs. So a lot of this universal design is something that is in place because it works. Mm -hmm. So I think we've also, somebody once told me that when we often see a lot of, some seniors, not a lot, um, wearing very bright colors and they often attribute that to having cataracts. So that when with cataracts, you look at things and they become yellower and duller. And then we often hear when people have had the surgery, they say, my gosh, the colors are so bright. Mm -hmm. So what they perceived was the color they really liked, which could be a fluorescent orange, is really what they're seeing as something as the muted color. Wow. Um, they're just with the, the, uh, the, the eye situation, they're just seeing it differently. So I think that's something to think about is how are they seeing it and processing different things. But I think the, the simplicity of any design works, whether it's for young people or seniors, uh, keeping things simple, keeping things streamlined, this big move towards minimalism um, is something that a lot of our seniors haven't embraced, but when they do their move, uh, they do look at the downsizing as a critical part of that next move to their new place. So there's lots of opportunities here to, to help them with that part of the project. You mentioned the color thing, and that gets me thinking that the truth of the matter is color is really subjective all the time to who's looking at it. And you often need to check in with your clients, whatever their age, on when they when they tell you they want the walls to be khaki, you need to actually pull out the paint chips and say, show me khaki. Because too many times I've uh -huh. pulled out what I think is khaki and they say, oh, no, 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 I don't want anything that green um, or whatever the case may be. So the, there is some, some uh -huh. strategy there, checking in with your clients to make sure they're seeing what you're seeing. I also learned that high contrast spaces, which are good for babies, and young people are also very good for seniors. So if you're doing a marble bathroom, an all-white marble bathroom, and it's white on white on white, it can be a tripping hazard for seniors um, not to show them where the thresholds are or the stairs. You know, maybe it's a better idea 
idea to have a change of uh, material on the stairs so they can clearly distinguish between the step and the floor uh, and not hurt themselves. So there, there are specific things you can learn if you're going to embrace a clientele that is aging. Well, and I think the other thing is that traditionally we've always thought something that is bright and shiny is clean. Um, and we've found that the, the research has shown that for seniors who are walking and say you're walking down a hallway and it's all got high gloss tiles or high gloss polish on the floor for the wooden floors, they often perceive that or read that as it's wet, which causes them to approach that space in an entirely different way. Because all of a sudden they are frightened of falling mm -hmm. because this surface looks to them in their mind as something that there's water spilled and they better be careful. So it's, it's the surface materials are really important, particularly when we don't want anybody to fall. We always say you don't want to fall after you're, four, you're about four years old because you don't bounce back so well. Right. Wow. I never heard that. I never thought of that. That is such good information. So choosing those honed materials for the floor and the walls um, as your clients are aging. You know, I just find this fascinating because my clientele is aging because like I said, I've been doing this since 1991. I've got a lot of repeat customers. For some, I'm doing a third or a fourth project and they don't want it thrown in their face that I'm decorating for an older person, but if I can arm myself with that knowledge and provide them with an environment that feels just right for them, then I've really done my job. So it's important for all of us to get educated about what our clients need at every age. As long as the decorating is done to suit the person, whoever they are, whatever age they are, I guess it's, it's that universal appeal. They're living in it. They're going to, you know, uh, enjoy the space and it really has to suit them. Uh, there's just those extra little things that uh, you can know that uh, will help them appreciate it even more, I think. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. L let's talk about editing and letting go. I mentioned my pink flamingo. Do you remember my pink flamingo? <laughs> I do. I think we still have a picture of you in your pink flamingo somewhere I in think, our files. I think you must. And it wasn't just, by the way, pink flamingo. I had a box of school stuff for every grade for both of my children from kindergarten through grade 12. Um, and I was apoplectic thinking about letting these go. I had saved them all these years and I was sure my children would want them someday. And you came along and said, they won't want them. And I, sa I said, I'm phoning my kids right now. Uh, and I did. I phoned Cooper and I phoned Raleigh and I said, hey, I've got these boxes. Would you like me to hang on to them for you so one day you can look through them? And their response was immediate and, and firm, no. I never, I don't care. I don't want to see them. I never want to look at them. And I'm like, I saved these all these years and you don't want to see them? No. They did not want to see. So that was a real shock to me. If you hadn't told me that they wouldn't want them, I would never have thought that. And it's funny because we, we do presentations as well. And one of the things that I always say to a group is have them repeat after me. And I say, my family does not want my stuff. So the extension of that is you were holding on to your children's items thinking they'd want them. 
But we also tend to hold on to things thinking our children will want them or our brother or sister will want them. Right. The reality and probably the biggest downsizing tip I can share is that your family doesn't want this stuff. At the end of the day, whether it's a downsizing for a move or clearing estates, which we also do, it is always surprising to us how little the family really wants to take. Wow. And as difficult as that is to say to our clients, it's a reality check. Yeah. So that we've had people say, I want to put my dining room table and chairs in the buffet in storage. One lady wanted to put it away for her granddaughter. And I said to her, well, how old is your granddaughter? And she says, she's nine. I said, well, by the time she goes to use it at, let's say 18, absolute earliest, that's nine years from now. She probably doesn't have the same taste. She's probably not going to be in a space that'll even hold a dining room suite and buffet. So why don't you just let it go, either donate it or if you can sell it or send it to auction, depending on what it is, Mm -hmm. and put some money in the bank and she'll have more money at the end and in nine years she can buy what she wants it's <laughs> I, just we tend to think oh, want it. yeah it's so true and I've had I have a client one client in particular I'm thinking of has four storage units and I have begged them to let go mm-hmm. of these storage units their children don't want their stuff they never will want their stuff they keep thinking the kids are going to change their minds and I keep telling them that mm-hmm. on it from a moral from a spiritual perspective there's somebody in your town, in your city, who needs a dining room table, who doesn't have one, and at a minimum, give it away to a women's shelter or something and get a tax receipt for it. I've also had the experience where the clients opened up their storage facility after three, four, five years, and this stuff was ruined from mold or from, you know, humidity, whatever. So uh, the best advice, I think, having been through the big downsize, I would give anybody is let go of it fast, uh, let go of it now. I was going to say storage is really just delayed decision making <laughs> because you're going to do it sooner or later. I love and that. And somebody's going to get rid of it. But we, and well, we had a client who had stuff from his parents stored for, I don't know how long, but when the price of the storage, the cost of the storage reached $100,000, <gasps> he said enough and let go of it all. Wow. Do you think? Now he was a little <laughs> upset that we, quite get a hundred thousand dollars for the stuff that was in the storage lockers right I think we ended up getting about thirty thousand but what like how can you leave storage lockers for that long and run up a bill of a hundred thousand dollars there was nothing in there worth that kind of money so you're right you know letting go of things make a decision the odd time you make the wrong one very odd and because people say this might come in handy someday well, you know what, if you're going to need it, chances are somebody else has got it. Those, those avocado green fondue pots aren't coming back anytime soon. <laughs> but if you really need one, you can find a few because we see them in most of the houses we're in. Wow. So uh, let it go. And if you need it, figure out a way to borrow it from somebody else. Exactly. Um, we've also had um, clients uh, insist on taking furniture items or accessories or artwork with them to their new place 
And uh, when we know it's not going to fit, it's never going to fit. There's no way it's going to fit. Um, so they pay for the movers to move it from the old house to the new house, and it gets there, and they realize, oh, yeah, it, do it doesn't fit, and that's just money down the drain. So let go of it fast. Uh, and I found it really helpful. Um, so this is a plus for the downsizing divas, but it's also a plus for all of us in the business. I found it really helpful to have somebody else come in and help me be more objective about the things that I owned and what I needed to let go of. And I can honestly tell you there's not a single thing I miss that I let go of. Um, in all in the last you know six seven years, there's not a single thing that I miss. Now, what we did do, which I thought was really smart, you suggested I take photographs of everything I thought I might miss. So I have a photograph of the little pink flamingo. I have a photograph of some of my kids' most <laughs> precious schoolwork, which is great. Uh, and I saved. You allowed me. Thank you. You gave me permission to have one box. <laughs> one box uh, with mementos from their school years. Uh, so I, I picked something from first grade for each child, something from second grade for each child, and I have one box. And so someday, I just know it, they're going to ask me for that box, Karen. I just know it. Yeah, sure they are. Sure they are. <laughs> you make it sound so mean. You know, sometimes you have to, you really have to listen to the experts. You really do. So I got it for me. It was a really good experience because it made me more empathetic toward my clients when I'm telling them, let go of this and let go of that. I realized that there's some emotion involved. So it was a good experience for me. And you did, you were tough, but you were lovingly tough. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's what we try to do because, and being objective too, you don't get into the shared history of the stuff. We weren't there when that pink flamingo was on your lawn. Um, and, and to us, we can see it, it wasn't serving much of a purpose except for the memories that were attached to it. So the picture and away it goes. And, and it's not being ruthless. It's really just looking at the space that you want to have and what do you want this new space? What memories do you want to create with it? Um, of course, you always want to bring things along that are pa part of your past because that's who we are. Right. But uh, you just want to edit it. This, when we always say downsizing, uh, it's all, we tell our clients, this time the decisions, it's all about you. You pick the stuff you like mm -hmm. and surround yourself with things that you treasure. And whether you're a downsizing diva or whether you're a designer, but designers can work with treasures as long as the house isn't packed with them. Right. One or two special items can be worked in any decor, but it's when you have boxes and boxes of them, it becomes the challenge. It's very true. And we do have to listen to them and distinguish between what needs to be let go of and what needs to be honored and what needs to find us a pride of place position on the mantle because it's important to them. What do you do with the stuff that the clients are letting go of? How do you get rid of all that surplus stuff? Well, it's a trick and it's been, um, it's becoming more, more challenging. Uh, when we started in 2001, um, there were a lot of people doing, you know, the painting of furniture, the shabby chic and repurposing things. I think all design comes in circles, but there was an interest in this, what they now call brown furniture. Um, but now we're finding because people are living in smaller spaces the, the new condos that young people, and young people are the people who are going to be the ones acquiring. Um, as we age, we should be acquiring less um, or certainly being more selective in what we're acquiring. 
But the young people moving out of the house for the first time are looking at dorm rooms at college or university first. And then the mo most minute um, condos that are being built right. or they're sharing with friends. So they don't have a lot of, lot of space for all these treasures that their parents or grandparents are no longer needing. So we're, we have some resources. There are still certainly places where uh, traditional furniture can be put on consignment. That's always a good opportunity to look at. Mm -hmm. And the consignment shops that we deal with, which are certainly open to the public, are selective. So they know what their clients and a lot of designers use consignment shops to, to sort of source some products for or furnishings for their clients. Uh, they know what these clients are looking for. And it somehow isn't those great big dining room suites that are, you know, right. um, I, I'm just trying to think of the, the unwieldy sizes. So those aren't the ones. They're, and they are a lot more leaning towards the traditional furniture. Our clients often have crystal and silver. Right. Those all have a place if they're the right design. So they can go to consignment. The um, auction houses used to be another source. Um, they're getting more and more difficult. We've had a couple of them say to us, please don't send us any bedroom suites, dining room suites, or upholstered furniture. Because they can't sell Those them. things just aren't going. It's not worth for the auction house. It doesn't, um, which I think is part of the reason that we've had online auctions popping up as a resource that can be used, or even the old content sale mm -hmm. concept. Um, we always say, at least if you sell things and the price is all that high you're including in the price that you're selling it for the, the removal costs because that's where often the prices are right um so those are options to look at in terms of trying to get some money for things that you no longer want use or need mm -hmm. uh the other of course is uh, furniture bank which we're huge fans of the furniture bank and uh, they they, I think, furnish 20 homes a day with furnishings. Wow. So that's a huge, huge organization and a, a really a boon for people who are uh, letting go of things and knowing that they can, they can let things go and feel good about where they're going to. These are people who, a lot of them are the refugees. The Syrian refugee program is huge with Furniture Bank, but the only people who can access Furniture Bank um, furniture are those people who are already registered with the social services departments or social service agencies within the city. Right. So it's a really good, warm, fuzzy feeling to donate to Furniture Bank. Uh, as far as clothing and other things, we, we also donate to uh, Canadian Diabetes Association. They, they repurpose things and they, that's how they do a lot of their funding for research into diabetes. So you can find these agencies, shelters, family shelters that are in your community. Uh, Goodwill used to be fabulous now that they've gone, at least in the GTA. That's a huge hole that's missing for, for us as a resource. Uh, but Salvation Army is there, Value Village is there, and there's still a community. They may be for profit, but they're a community resource as well. So there's other options, mm -hmm. and, and we always try to get money for things, first for our clients, but at the end of the day, we just want to make sure things don't go to landfill. Right. That's, that's our biggest challenge. 
Right. And you know what? The fact of the matter is, wherever you live, wherever you're listening, you're going to have to do some research and find those uh, resources nearby that can help you with your clients. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes even uh, young clients have some things that they want to get rid of. And I'm asked all the time, what can I do with this? And I let them know right off the bat that no matter how much it costs when you bought it, you're going to be disappointed with what you're going to sell it for. Uh, almost across the board. So you need to think about how important it is to get money versus how important it might be to get that warm, fuzzy, feel-good feeling from donating it to something like the Furniture Bank. So really good suggestions, Karen. Thank you for that. Let me squeeze in a shout-out for Patrick Reynolds Media. They have been doing our video production for, oh, I don't know, something like 15 years. Patrick and I have traveled all over the world together. We've filmed for a variety of television shows, but we also do home tours for my website, and we also do all of our business of design videos. So if this is something you've been thinking it's time to add to your repertoire, uh, Patrick Reynolds Media, I can't recommend them enough. Information about them is at businessofdesign.com. If you are in the Toronto area, uh, they're going to be able to service you uh, firsthand. If not, they're going to help hook you up with someone in your neighborhood who's a good fit. Thank you so much, Patrick Reynolds Media. Uh, We love working with you, and we appreciate the love and support for our podcast. We've also found the curbside deposit working very well for us. You know, you're tired of a chair, you're tired of a table. We put it out on the curb and invariably somebody will drive by and put it in the back of their truck. So that's kind of fun to watch as well. We even put out a couple years ago, a TV and a big sign on it said, this TV is broken. It was gone in like 12 minutes. Um, so I think there, (laughs) you know, there's a customer for everything, right. And sometimes it feels good just to, to let it go. So, um, divest quickly, let it go. Don't hang on to stuff. And then the advantage of that is that when you get to move into that new space, you get a fresh start. And I love what you said, this move, this next move, uh, when you're speaking to your clients, it's just for you. You don't have to make decisions based on what the kids want. You don't have to make decisions based on uh, what your mother's influence is or what your mother-in-law's influence is. This is your space. And really, if you can get your clients excited about the new space, then uh, you're going to have a fun and satisfying project. Right. There's a lot to think about when it comes to servicing a clientele that's aging. And uh, Karen, you certainly have given me some things to think about. I've got some rapid fire value bomb questions for you. Off the top of your head, what do you think is the most important factor to consider when you're decorating or designing for a client over the age of 70? I would say simplify. I would say keep the paths clear because we never know when the mobility is going to become more of an issue. So make space and celebrate what items they have, but keep it simple. I like that. Okay. Do you have a favorite tool (laughs) that you use to assist you in the moving process? You know what? This is going to sound really silly, but our favorite tool is the tape measure because it's something that you absolutely cannot fit an eight foot sofa in a six foot space. And we, we tell our clients all the time, you can't fit a three-bedroom house in a one-bedroom retirement suite. So the tape measure, I would say, hands down, is our favorite tool because it is a realistic way to show our clients what will and will not fit in their new house. I like that. Now, do you have the old school metal type or do you have the digital type? Oh, no, we have the old school one. 
that's best because <laughs> it really shows. We do and floor plans as the extension of that is the floor plan is one of the other tools that goes with the tape measure. So good. Okay. How it's about visualizing? How about technology? Is there a favorite technological assist that you use? We design, we, I think probably our computer um, because we can create inventory lists. We can create to-do lists. We can generate all kinds of information for our clients. So I think it would have to be, so the only one I can think of would be the computer. We're very much hands-on um, and we're very leaning towards print. We look at our clients and, and although a lot of them are on the internet, they still like, you know, the, the paper, the written notes, the calendars to check off. So I would say for us, it's, it's the access to information we have through the computer, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a pencil and piece of paper to help our clients get through it. Good one. Okay, what would you say to um, the design professionals listening or anybody who's listening who's thinking about a career change and is um, contemplating, now that they've heard you speak, working with seniors or the elderly? Where should they go to get some important training? Uh, from the beginning, Gail and I knew that our decision was to work with seniors. It was our, our group of people that we feel most comfortable working with. We, we know sort of how they think and act and how to appeal to them. Uh, it's our passion. Um, and in order to get the training, uh, we're, we are trained professional organizers and senior move managers, which means that we can take them and help them transition to a new home. There's lots of resources out there a big item is, I think, for anybody, whether you choose to work with seniors or not, is to be aware of, and, and for us, it's the reality of the dementia, the Alzheimer's, um, to check out and, and at least have some knowledge that your clients may be experiencing memory loss, um, because it's a really important thing to be able to observe and to work with. Uh, as far as training for specific things, we are members of professional organizers in Canada, which is uh, a group of people working with all ages and helping them organize. But our favorite association that I would suggest they look into is the National Association of Senior Move Managers. And it's uh, NASM, N-A-S-M-M dot org is their website. That gives you all kinds of information. And that the scope of working with seniors is huge. We, in the membership, we have designers we have moving companies we are all senior move managers regardless of the skills that we bring to that profession Karen what do you say to designers and decorators who think you're competition to us we don't want to be designers and we're not stagers but what we are is experts in downsizing so if you don't want to do all that downsizing or you don't have the skills to do it we're happy to help with that part and leave the skills leave what you want to do to you. Um, but we don't, we don't want to take away your clients. We just want to help you work with them better. 
I love what I do, but I'm not an expert in what you do. And so the way that I use the divas is um, I will outsource them to clients just like they're any other trade. And all that does is widen my circle of service to the clients. And when I introduce them, because the clients already have developed trust with me, that trust is extended to uh, the design divas. So don't be afraid to outsource those things that are not your expertise. Our job is to be of service to the clients all the time. I am going to ask you one more time, tell me the name of your book and tell me where I can buy it. I don't have the book, but I need to get it. Tell us about the book. Well, we'll get you a copy of our book. It's called Go, The Essential Guide to Organizing and Moving. It contains all kinds of information about organizing and moving and a bonus, a number of checklists for preparing for your move. It's available on our website, which is downsizingdiva.com. And there's a link to go on that website. You can just click there, order it online, and we'll send it out. I love checklists. I love checklists, too. Karen, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you for all the great information. You've given me so much to think about. Oh, I'm, we're thrilled, absolutely thrilled to be asked. And uh, we will... Wait with bated breath to see what happens next. <laughs> well, say hi to Gail for me too, will you? <laughs> will do, will do. Okay. And uh, we will talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Karen. Thanks so much. <laughs>